Welcome to a special holiday interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. As today is kind of a quasi-holiday, no longer Columbus Day, now Indigenous Peoples Day, and I'm not sure how many people actually get it off, we are not having an episode of Today on Broadway. However, I am here with a very, very fun interview with an absolutely delightful star currently gracing the stage off-Broadway. I am in conversation with one of the stars of the new play by Teresa Rebeck that is currently playing 59 East 59th called Dig. The show, which is written and directed by Teresa Rebeck, had its world premiere in 2019. And back in that production, one of the stars was Andrea Siglowski. She returns for the off-Broadway run presented by Primary Stages, and we discuss what it takes to return to a role, both emotionally and from an acting perspective, on two sides of a global pandemic. In the show, Andrea plays Megan, the neighborhood screw-up just out of rehab, who returns to her dying neighborhood and reconnects with an old friend of the family named Roger, who owns a plant shop. He wants nothing to do with her because she is a disaster, and yet through Rebeck's signature wit, intelligence, and depth, these two forge a relationship, and the piece asks the question, can a soul beyond saving be saved? Now, you will hear in our conversation, I mentioned the fact that the show is scheduled to run through October 22nd. At the time we did this interview just last week, that was the case. However, since then, they have announced an extension and the show will now play through November 5th. So you have just under a month to get to 59 East 59th to check out the show. I have a wonderful conversation with Andrea. We talk about working with Teresa Rebeck, which Andrea has done many, many times. Why Andrea is just now aging into the type of roles she has already been playing for most of her career. And the question that all Smash fans are dying to know, does Teresa Rebeck really wear scarves? We get into all of that and more. Of course, we will have information in the show notes on where you can purchase tickets to see Dig at 5090's 59th running through November 5th. All right, with all of that out of the way, here is my conversation with the star of Dig Off-Broadway, Andrea Siglowski. Okay, I think the most important question I have to start with is, do you have a favorite plant? (laughs) Um, I do. I appreciate hydrangea. That is my favorite plant. And um, I hate to admit it, but I I love flowers too. I have roses all over my apartment. Why do you hate to admit that? That seems like a fairly normal, non-controversial thing to say. (laughs) Yes, but I think for like a lot of you know, plant people, there's like plant people, actually Uh, it comes up in the play, there's like plant people and flower people. And technically flowers, fresh cut flowers have been cut from the ground. So you're not actually, you know, growing something, but I got to be honest, I love fresh flowers. Yeah, I I think that's safe. I mean, maybe in the world of horticulturalists, that might be controversial. (laughs) But I think for for most people, uh, you are safe uh, in, in that admission. But you are diving back into the world of Dig, having been with the show originally in, in Vermont, I think, right? In 2019? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, it was 2019. That's that beautiful summer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, one of the last ones we had. One of the last ones. Um, yeah. And then uh, COVID hit. Yeah. When you go from a show, which is now four years ago, production four years ago, was there always a plan to, to continue the developmental process of that? And then COVID interrupted that? Or is this kind of coming out of nowhere and it wasn't expected when you did it all the way back then? 
Yeah, you know, I think that we were supposed to do it in late 2020 or early 2021. Um, I know Andrew Lindsay, um, the late great Andrew Lindsay, who was the artistic director at Primary Stages, um, had planned to bring it. And then I think it was going to be the beginning of when did we when was when did we go back to the theater? 2020. One? Maybe fall of fall of fall of I mean it depends. Fall of twenty twenty one, spring of twenty twenty two, something like that. Yeah, and it just sort of kind of um, scheduling kind of got bumped. It feels a little bit like a miracle that we're getting to do this play in New York, to be honest. Um, and I, I mean, I'm thrilled to be back with it, but it is really interesting. Like the the play deals a lot with loss and grief, and um, it's also very funny, but. Uh, to, you know, um, do something four years ago and then live through sort of a global yeah. tragedy and then to revisit the play with sort of that, um, you know, loss and grief, uh, all of it looming in the air. It's it's a you know, it's um it's different. The play is different. My connection to the play is different uh, than it was in 2019. But it's a real gift to revisit something that you've done before. Um, that's for sure. Yeah. And I, I imagine just doing a show four years apart, no matter the circumstances, is a completely different experience. But to do it with all of that baggage that we've all experienced in the intervening four years adds more on to it. And then you're doing it with some uh, of the I think is, is Jeffrey the only other person from that 2019 cast? Yeah, Jeffrey Bean, um, Dave Mason, and Greg Keller were all in that cast in 2019. And so you're doing it now with some new faces, some people you've done it with before. How is that process as you're kind of trying to not only bring in new people to to this show, but also new emotions and just where you are and where the world is in a much different place than it was when you did it originally? Yeah, I mean, well, it's so interesting too. Um, specifically, like with Jeffrey, I met him um, because I do most of my work opposite him in the play. Uh, I met him in in 2019 for the first time on the first day of rehearsal. But you yeah. know, since then, we've become pretty good friends. Um, in the four years since 2019, and we help each other with self tapes and all that. Um, it's it's I have to say, like the original um, cast members who were part of the production, Dorset, Sarah and Gordon were remarkable and are very good friends of mine still to this day. Um, and also Mary and Trini bring something totally different and, and new um, as well. All both iterations of this play were completely and utterly beautiful, in my opinion. Um, but I, you know, it's some of i felt like picking up the script again after four years it was like oh hello old friend um there are you know my my parents came for example this weekend and they had seen it in 2019 and i said you know what's different they said uh nothing and everything all at the same time you know it's it 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 kind of it lives the character sort of i don't know i feel like as an actor you like visit these characters and they sort of just they all sort of live inside there. Um, you know, there's a couple plays I've done before that I've, I've liked to do again. Um, and we're older, <laughs> you know, both Jeffrey and I and Dave, everybody in the cast, it, it's, we're just a little bit older, a little bit um, wiser. And I've, we've also lived through a little bit uh, more 
you know, unexpected life circumstances. Yeah. I don't think anybody could prepare for what we lived through in the last four years, you know. Um, just being back in the theater honestly feels like a miracle sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who have not seen the show, and I have not seen it yet, I'm going to be up in town uh, next week seeing a bunch of things. So I've seen the the basic plot description uh, of the show, but beyond just the nuts and bolts of you know, the, the plant shop and somebody coming back to town after, you know, kind of being in some trouble and all of those things that are, are kind of the, the, the elevator pitch that so many people have seen. What is dig about from your perspective, both whether that is plot or emotions or character development, what, what is this show at its heart truly about? Yeah. I mean, I think the plot is that, um, a uh, a, a young woman who lived through um, an incredible tragedy, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying um, the loss of her uh, a young her young son, um, uh, who is you know dealing with um, getting sober and a recent suicide attempt, um, is coming home to live with her father, and is sort of um, you know uh, living on the uh, trying to survive. She, Plot, enters a plant shop, um, forms a very close and unique relationship with her father's oldest friend, which may or may not be romantic. Um, and it's sort of about what those two characters, um, you know, what they offer one another in the world as far as what we need to survive after incredible loss or tragedy. Um, and how we can help one another, even in the smallest ways. You know, the play deals with um, themes as far as guilt, uh, retribution, um, taking responsibility, uh, apologizing, trauma. I mean, it sounds like a downer, but also it's it's also incredibly funny at the same time. Um, but there's so much heart in this play. Every, all of the characters, all five characters, um, are dealing with some sort of life circumstance. Um, and when Megan, my character, walks in the door, it sort of sets everything on fire. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a, yeah, that, I think that does it. I think that's, that's good. Pretty- yeah. You stayed, you stayed clear <laughs> of most spoilers. So that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mission accomplished there. <laughs> I, I, I love the kind of the way you described it, how on the surface, when you're just kind of going through a lot of the details, it feels like it's a very heavy, and solemn work, but it's also very funny. Like that to me is at the heart of a Teresa Rebeck show. And I am listeners will know that I'm a longtime big fan of, of all of her works, both on stage and screen. And I think that that's one of the hallmarks about being able to walk the line of not just being, you know, funny, but being able to harness the humor in the pain and and in the real life circumstances, how difficult is that for an actor to kind of go back and forth between those two very different types of emotions, but also mm-hmm. emotions that, if it's done well, feel like they're the same thing, just on different sides of the coin? You know, it's so interesting because I do think, and I'll be interested to talk with you after you see the play, I do find Dig to be a little bit more tragic than some of her other works, because this is the fifth time I've, I've worked with her on five different productions and a, wow. a little TV show. Um, what 
a lot of time, like I did this play called The Understudy, and I, I think about One that. One of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, so that's mostly comedic, you know, mm -hmm. and I think all three of those characters are carrying a lot of the comedy in that play. In this play there, you know, Greg Keller, who's like a genius comedian, he sort of is responsible for a lot of the laughs. My character, not so much, even though she yeah. has a sense of humor, I think, underneath all of that tragedy, like she has a sense of humor. Um, Jeffrey Bean is quite, quite, quite good at it. It, it. They all are. I mean, everybody is. Mary Bacon. It's a, I think it's just a particular kind of sensibility. And Teresa definitely has her actors. We've all worked with her several times. So she's sort of, you know, it's not that she's writing specifically for you, but she, she knows these personalities. Um, and everybody can sort of deliver a laugh line. But it's interesting because Teresa directed this as well. I think had I approached mm -hmm. this play, maybe with a different director, I may have been, been punching up a lot of the laugh lines more than I would. With this production, with Teresa specifically, she was very adamant about trying to find the truth of the circumstances, which is very interesting. Um, but she also just knows she th the way that she coins a phrase is just funny sometimes, you know? Yeah. And characters do things that are unexpected um in this play for sure but i think all of her work and that can be sort of jarring and funny and tragic you know yeah absolutely so you've worked with her quite a bit you know her very well how does that change the process like you said if, if someone else was directing the show you might have approached some of your line readings or the actual overall you know personality of the character a little bit different how different is it to have her not just being behind the table as the playwright watching things happen but also as the director kind of guiding the whole process is is that a completely different experience for you than just doing a show with a traditional writer over here director over here and then obviously there's been a four-year arc of doing it for the first time and then doing it now. Has has that been something that's impacted differently because the writer is also the director in this case? Yeah, I think so. Well, yes, I think so. And I, I've worked with her work with uh, other directors and I've worked on her work with her as a director. I mean, I think that, you know, I have like the utmost respect for writers. I think that what all writers do um, is... It, it, we, you know, actors are sort of like, we have, we're dealing in an interpretive art form. You know, writers are really getting down to their soul and putting it on the page and we're to interpret it. You know, it's kind of amazing to be able to like, ask the writer specifically, what is your intention here? You know, there's not the middleman, although I have an enormous amount of respect for what directors do um, as well. And I can't wait to see different iterations of Dig when it's done across the country. Um, but I do, there's never the question like, am I fulfilling the writer's desires? Because the writer is telling me exactly what it is she expected from this moment or that moment and, and what it is she wants, you know? And I also think like I have found myself, and I don't know about the other actors, but I have found like a, a much greater responsibility to fulfilling the director's um, needs or desires in this production, I think partially just because it's, she's the writer too. Um, 
but she has it, you know, Teresa, she's also, a, she's, she's a great director. She's directed material that hasn't been hers, you know? Um, and she, I think there was enough space between it that she almost looked at the script as if somebody else had written it and she was interpreting it herself, which is fascinating. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've, especially this time around have loved working with Teresa as a director on this um, because I'm never wondering, is the writer happy? I can just, she'll tell me she's right there. She's the director. She'll tell me. When you go into a show where, you know, in most normal situations, the writer is not the director. Do you feel less, you know, obligated to kind of focus specifically on the text and figure out what the author's intentions were? Or do you feel more, I don't want to say freedom because that makes it sound like you don't have freedom now, but like, is, is you said, like you feel more uh, focused on, on communicating that initial idea from the author in this show. Is that something that you don't you really feel as much when you were working on another work where you're where the director is not also the person who wrote the script? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, I think it depends because, uh, with new plays, um, no, I mean, usually the writer is heavily involved, but like, for sure. example, like many years ago, I did a production of three sisters that was directed by Brian Murtis and it was, I mean, I remember I played Natasha and I gave Andre a bath on stage and I'm relatively certain Chekhov didn't write that in the script, but that, <laughs> you know, that play had been done so many times che that it was Chekhov's just like, bath, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, his interpretation of something that might illuminate uh, a classic that's been done a million times. So in that case, you know, less so, I think it depends on the company. It depends on that. Like, I love Evo's work in the theater. I think it's like, you know, the the idea that um, uh, Beth Marvel was in a bathtub playing Blanche. I didn't mm -hmm. see that production, but I think about it all the time. I'm like, what was that like? I would have liked to have seen that. Um, I, I think that's just as, can be just as artistically fulfilling as working on a new play um, where, you know, the writer really is creating like their, in the, it's their production. It's their baby. It's their vision. Um, and I do think that like we, with new plays specifically, um, I think we are sort of actors are hired to bring that vision to life, how, whatever that might be. Um, does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, it's just, it, it's just an interesting situation where a, a prolific playwright like Teresa is now also directing. I, I imagine that there's a lot of different uh, approaches, whether, obvious or subtle that 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 brings to this whole process so that's that's very interesting to me one question that because you have known her now for quite a while i have to ask about her is does she really wear a lot of scarves is that a thing <laughs> she does yeah she does she okay. she she does wear a lot of scarves i've never um thought about that but yes she does Okay. I mean, that's, that's what Deborah Messing essentially told me she did. So, uh, uh from <laughs> the smash days. Okay. Yeah, she All does. Right. That's funny. That's good to know. Good to know. All right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, dig, as we said, is, is currently running off. Do you have a show tonight? I assume, or is it a two show? I'm assuming cause we're talking in the afternoon. It's not a two show day. So, uh, show tonight though. We have a show tonight. We do. Okay. It, it is it is playing at 59 east 59th through October 22nd for people who are interested to come out. And I love seeing shows at 59 east 59th. I think it's a it's a great little kind of hidden, not hidden because it's a big facility, but like it's just a great place to see shows, in my opinion. Um, yeah. 
but for people who want to come out and see this, who, you know, they don't, it's a, it's a fairly new show. They might have known Teresa's name, but don't know much about it. What is the experience like if they come and sit in the audience and see this show? What are they going to be leaving with? Again, spoiler free. Don't get anybody mad at you. But um, <laughs> what are they what are they going to be in for when they take a take a trip to see this show? I think that you will see a heartfelt and true and some in some ways challenging story told um, in very believable, capable hands of the actors. That's what I would like to say. And I think I can (laughs) stick behind that. Um, And also it will what I what I have um, what I believe what I've heard from audience members, it will challenge you and maybe pull at your heartstrings. So um, that's something, you know, some of the audience members have been like, I wasn't prepared for how emotional this is. So I will tell you that it, it, it may be an emotional evening. It may not, maybe you'll be like, I hate this. Get me out of here. But <laughs> I mean, it also, that's an emotion too. That's an emotion. Yeah, too, though, so. No matter what you will have an emotion, but, um, no, it, it is a tragic comedy <laughs> that, so I would say come in knowing and, and, and expecting that in my opinion yeah all right so earlier you said that you have done plays in the past that you would like to do again what what would some of those plays be what what shows would you like to return to what characters would you like to or maybe do a show as a different character oh boy yeah i it's funny i was asked this question yesterday i mean there are new plays that i've been in developing like sort of in workshops um that i would like to see produced like there's this great play by paris creighton third that i just did um we've been sort of doing readings of carrie young the incredible broadway star carrie young has also been in she's amazing she's incredible um and i'd like to see that play produced it's called the blue swan and then you know i really I would I was saying yesterday that I would like to do like streetcar with Marin Ireland. That's like a sort of fantasy job. Yeah. And you know, down the line, I I did when I was at Juilliard like 10 years ago, I did a production of Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. And I always said, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to do that when I'm like age appropriate. Now I'm age appropriate. <laughs> um that's something I may want to revisit. And Nora and Doll's house, because I did that when I was quite young too. And I don't know if I was, I have a different perspective on it now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny how those shows you do when you're in college or right out of college, they have a much different emotional resonance when you are actually of the appropriate age for the character. So, um, oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think when I was in college, like, I, I mean, I went to college and I went to Juilliard for grad school, but when I was in college, I never played a character under 40 years old. So <laughs> see, but I think that's I think that's the sign of a good actor, though. Like, no offense to ingenues and everything. Like, we get it. You're you're cute and bubbly and everything. But like, the real meaty stuff comes with the older oh. characters, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I'm I I feel myself just aging into my um my type, which is both exciting and also you know maybe when I was in my twenties, I would have liked to play somebody in my twenties. I in don't know. 20s? Yeah, 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 maybe. Okay. Um, but no, I, I'm grateful for that. I love that you said that my, my acting teachers would probably agree with you. If you're aging into your type, what is your type then? God, I, I, I adult. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't think I, uh, I mean, maybe people would disagree, but I don't think I've ever really been a, a traditional ingenue, that I will say. Um, yeah. Since I was like, maybe when I was 13. When I was 13, I, I did Romeo and Juliet, but I think I aged out of that ingenue by the time I was 16. So Yeah. Um, so So by the time you were getting to like, not even yet ingenue level or like age wise, you were already <laughs> moving on to other things. Okay. Yeah, sense. I think so. I think it's like when I was a senior in high school, I did like the heiress, you know, that, um, yeah. or like reckless by Craig Lucas, or if it was going to be an ingenue, it would like closest thing to an ingenue with like Antigone. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't count. That does not count as an ingenue. <laughs> like, that I mean, doesn't count, no. age, wise, age wise, I get it, but like, <laughs> I don't know if that's technically an ingenue or not. No, I mean, yeah, no. there are there are some people who play teenagers well into their 30s and 40s. And there are some people who play 40 year olds as a teenager. So I guess it's six of one half dozen of the other. Again, two sides of the same coin. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for chatting about this. I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Teresa's work, so I'm always excited to hear more about all of her shows and these processes and looking very much forward to, to seeing it. So have a great show tonight and a great rest of your run. Thank you. And come say hi when you see the show. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye, Matt. <laughs>